is a life-changing message brought to you by Fellowship of Champions Church International, located in Conway, Arkansas. Listen now as Pastor Sean Strickland teaches you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. Let's go to Numbers, the 23rd chapter. Hallelujah. And for those of you who are first-time visitors, we're so happy to hear you, but have you here. But let me tell you something, how things work around here. Uh, we work under the assumption that your communication lets us know that you understand what's going on. And so if you communicate, we understand that you understand. And if you don't communicate, then we think that you need a little bit more teaching. And so we talked to you for a little while longer, amen? So we're going to communicate this morning, amen. I want to thank everybody for the changes that they're making in their seating. I know that some of the hardest things to do is to get people to get in new seats. But they, the people who are working on our video and stuff, they're really trying to get it um, so that it looks nice and professional when it goes across the web. So we appreciate you for making those changes. Give yourself a hand clap for that. We appreciate your good attitudes about that. And um, the other thing is, too, if you look, you know, we've been believing God for our projectors. We have one projector up. Amen. They just didn't have a chance to do all of them. And so hopefully next Sunday or the Sunday after that, you'll be able to look on the board and see the songs. Amen. But you've done such a great job even without the words. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we're going to go to Numbers, the 23rd chapter, and we're going to teach the Word of God this morning. Verse 19, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says that God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I have received a commandment to bless, and God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob, and no trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. Amen. In in your translation, it says that God is not a man that he should lie. Tell your neighbor, say, God does not lie. Hallelujah. Now, see, you ought to be a little bit more excited about that because God does not lie. He absolutely cannot lie. Amen. In fact, God is so full of truth that if God said that all dogs had five legs, when you got home, guess what your dog would have? An extra leg. That's right, because God is not a man that he should lie. Hallelujah. And so it's really important for us to understand that God is not a man that he should lie. And so I'm going to take us on a journey this morning. Glory to God. And I am going to, I believe that when you look at what the Lord is saying to us, it will change how you relate to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Actually, let's go to Galatians 3. How many of you love the Word? Amen. If you don't love the Word, you should say it by faith. Because faith comes by hearing. And the more you tell yourself you love the Word, guess what will start to happen? You love the Word. Galatians, the third chapter, the 13th verse, the 14th, and the 14th verse, and then over to verse 29. When you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, say hold up. All right. In my Bible, it's on page 1915. Somebody else's too. Amen. Galatians, the third chapter. You ready? Let's read it. Ready, read. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. 
that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now go to verse 29. Ready? Read. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, you ought to be getting excited right now because it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Shall I be redeemed? He was made a curse for us as it is written. Cursed is everyone that hangeth up on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Amen. And then it goes on to tell us that if the, if we be Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now the Bible says that if we be Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So in order to fully understand this, we need to go back and look at the promise that God made who? Abraham. Look how smart you guys are. I knew you were a smart class. Let's go to Genesis 12. Hallelujah. Genesis 12. Say, I'm an heir to the promise. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. Genesis 12. You ready? Verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show you, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. And then the first part of verse 4 says what? So Abraham did what? He departed. Amen. So it paints the picture that God comes to Abraham and he says to Abraham, he says, hey, Abraham, he says, I want you to come out of what's familiar for you. And I want to take you to a place that you've never seen before. Amen. He says, and if you'll go with me to this place that I've never seen, that you've never seen before in you, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, we just read in Galatians that if we are Christ, then we are the seed of who? And heirs according to the promise. So what he promised Abraham is that he was going to do something to Abraham that was going to cause Abraham to be blessed and cause everybody that would connect to Christ through Abraham to be blessed. Amen? All right, let's flip over to Genesis, the 15th chapter. Verse 1. You got it? Genesis 15. All right, verse 1. Let's read it together. Ready, read. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, wait a minute. He just promised Abraham. He says, If you go with me, I'm going to bless you. He said, And everybody who connects with you is going to get what? And he says, I'm going to go with you to this place. And I think the thing that we need to remember is that whatever we can see in the natural is always an indication of what's taking taking place spiritually. So even though God was sending Abraham on a natural journey that you can map out through history, he was also sending him on a spiritual journey. Amen. How many of you believe that? Amen. And he says to Abraham, he says, I am your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. So what he's saying to Abraham is the same thing he says to us is that I am your blessing. 
He says, I am your shield and I am your blessing. Now, I know people say, oh, well, I know that God is my blessing. But if you knew that God was your blessing, then you wouldn't be so frustrated when your natural stuff hadn't shown up yet. He said, because he says, I am your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. I am your blessing, Abraham. Amen. In the Amplified, it says, I am your shield, your abundant compensation, and your reward shall not be exceeding, shall be exceedingly great. He says, so I am your abundant compensation. Say, the Lord is my exceeding compensation. Now, if you hang on, I'm going to take, we're we going to go somewhere. We're going we to understand something this morning that maybe we haven't understood before fully. Let's go to Hebrews 11. Mm, let's go to Romans 4 first. Well, why are we going to so many scriptures? Because truth is revealed by the word. The Bible says that the word is the light. And so when you get the word, then it's not just enough to hear someone paint you a good picture. But when you get the word, you can actually go back and study it for yourself and get your own life changed. Amen. Because faith is not known until the will of God is discerned. And we discern the will of God by his word. Amen. All right. Verse 17, Romans 4. I'm going to read out an Amplified. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Who's he talking to? He says, he was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he had foretold and promised as if they already existed. Um, it says, um, in the King James, it says, it says, as I, it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called those things that be not as though they were. You need to underline that. He called those things that be not as though they were. Amen? How many of you know that that's the hallmark of faith? We call those things that be not as though they were. But let me show, are we, 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 let's go to Romans, I mean Hebrews 11. Come on. You ever been real excited about something? You want to hurry up and get to the front to the end, but you know you got to map it out because if you don't map it out, somebody go get lost. So he says, all right, he says, he called those things that be not as though they were. Now, we've done a great job of thinking that there are some things that we call that be not as though they were. I need a job, so I call those things that be not as though they were. I, I, I need healing in my body, so I call those things that be not as though they were. But, but, I'm, but, I, but I'm hoping that when we get through with this, that you're going to understand really what it was that God gave Abraham the ability to do and what has happened to you as a result of what Abraham did. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, everybody knows verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So it says that my faith, my confidence that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do, it is my evidence. Now, it says that Abraham was the father of faith because he believed that God was calling those things that be not as though they were. All right. It says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that were seen were made of things which do appear. 
By faith, Abel offered a good unto God or more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. You should underline that. He obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, as it, as it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, wait a minute. It says that God... Abraham believed God, and God accounted to him for righteousness. Amen. Hold your finger in Hebrews, but go back to Romans 4. We're going to stay between these two scriptures for just a minute. Amen. So now we're back. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. My faith is what? It is my confidence that God is who he says he is and he'll do what it is that he says he would do. He says that Abraham is the father of faith. So Abraham is the father, the first one that God could do in the earth what he wanted to do since Adam, who was able to believe that God would do what he said he would do even when he couldn't see what God said he would do. Amen. It says now in verse 18, it says, who hoped against hope. Who hope, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Underline strong in faith. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's that sacrifice of praise we were talking about. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God, it says that, um, it says, and being fully persuaded, somebody shall fully persuaded, that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And in verse 22 says, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, if you go back to Genesis, the 15th chapter in the sixth verse, it says, and he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now, stay with me because I'm trying to take you somewhere. It says that God comes to Abraham. He makes Abraham a promise. He says, Abraham, I want to take you somewhere that you've never been before to show you something that you've never seen before. He says, and Abraham, I want to give you something. And out of you, all of the seed of the earth shall be blessed. And everybody who blesses you, I'll bless. And everybody who curses you, I'll curse. Because Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And the Bible says and Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness but he wasn't made righteous it was accounted to him as righteous now accounted is a math term right it means that basically his faith caused God to put something in his account that he didn't possess accounted but we're made the righteousness of God it says his faith caused God to account him in a way that he really wasn't. So let me say this to you. Abraham was the first man since, since Adam that God was able to do everything that he had ever wanted to do for a man on the earth. Because Abraham believed God and God was accounted it to him for righteousness. Now when we talk about this, we always talk about what Abraham believed for. What was Abraham believing for? He was believing for a son. What's that son's name? Wrong. I knew everybody would say that. No, 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 no. He was not believing for Isaac. All right. Stay with me. Tell your neighbor, say, stay with her. Say, this will make sense at the end. All right. Go to Galatians, the third chapter, and the eighth verse. 
And I want you to read Galatians 3 and 8. Everybody got Galatians 8? I mean 3 and 8? I bet there's one word that most people overlook when they read that scripture. It says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach the what? What's the gospel? What's the good news? So God goes to Abraham, and he doesn't preach to Abraham Isaac. He preaches to Abraham Jesus. And the Bible said that because he believed Jesus, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Oh, lay, your, lay your hand on your head. I know, I know all this time you've been thinking it was just about Isaac having, about having Isaac. You've been thinking it's just about having Isaac, but I'm, but I'm going to show you something this morning that'll change your, that'll change your whole life. Because he says that I promise you'll get a seed, and that seed in the earth, Isaac was just the first step. You remember a couple of weeks I taught you, I said that Isaac wasn't the harvest, what was Isaac? Isaac was the seed. That's why he didn't mind sacrificing Isaac because he was fully persuaded that if he sacrificed Isaac that he would have to get Isaac up because out of Isaac had to come the seed that was going to produce Jesus. So Abraham, from the moment he encountered God, lived his whole life in expectation of redemption. And the Bible said that because he believed in redemption, redemption was accounted to him as righteousness. I, I, I'm trying to teach you how to use your faith to get out of time. Go back to Hebrews 11. Hallelujah. All right, let's go back to Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, if you just stay with me, I promise, I promise, I promise. Because if you don't get it this Sunday, if you come back next Sunday, we'll teach it again because we're repetitive teachers up in here. But I think there's an anointing in here that you can receive this word if you'll just focus with me and just forget about it. I'm not saying God, Abraham didn't want Isaac. I'm saying that when God promised Abraham something, he did not promise him Isaac. He promised him that out of him, the whole world would experience redemption. And the Bible said that because Abraham was crazy enough to believe God, that God had accounted him, that God made him righteous just like Jesus had already come. Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now the other place I had you look in Romans, I said he called those things that be not as though they were. So God says to Abraham, he says, Abraham, if you'll believe me, he says, I'll treat you like you've already been redeemed. Even though it's just been accounted to you for redemption. Abraham says, I'll take you up on that, God. I believe you. And he says that Abraham was, it was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. All right. He says, now this faith, this confidence that God would give him redemption was the substance of the things that he hoped for and, and for the evidence of things not seen. Now we're going to read a little bit, a little while. We're going to stay in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Amen. And I'm going to read. Shout glory. glory. All right. We're going to read for a while. So stick with me. 
It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. i got to stop right there because of that word worlds, you should underline that word worlds. Now we know that that word worlds means, that word worlds, it means what you can see with your natural eyes, Right? It means the stars, the moon, the grass, the trees, the ocean knows how to stay in its place. The continents know where they're supposed to be. The solar system knows how to stay in place. But it also means something else. It means the eons. It means how life was laid out. Now, you know this is true because in Psalms 139, it says that before he formed you, he fashioned you, and he put in you what you what needed. So tell your neighbor, say, I was born on purpose for a purpose. Now, understand this. It says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In the Amplified, it says, For by faith we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which were visible. All right. Let's back all the way up. The Bible says that the Lamb was slain when? Before the foundation of the earth. Tell your neighbor, say it was slain before the foundation of the earth. Let me tell you why this is important. Have you ever been to see a movie that you had never seen before? And something happens in the movie and it takes you by surprise? Nothing in the earth has ever taken God by surprise. Because he wrote the end from the beginning. So he lays out these successive ages and has the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He then begins to pull people out of his thought life and he places them where he needs them placed in the eons so that his purpose can be accomplished. He knew that he wanted a man to be able to have faith before there was something to have faith in. So he pulls Abraham out. So when people say to you that Abraham struggled to give up Isaac, that's not true. Because he already knew what he had put in Abraham, that Abraham would offer of Isaac when he asked him to. So it says that the God formed the eons. He laid it out and he looked all the way through and he said, I need you born at this time and 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 I need you born at this time because nothing will ever take place in the earth that will shock me. I already know what's going to happen before it happened because I wrote it from the beginning to from the end to the beginning. Now as a side note, that's why you can never make a mistake that God can't bring you recovery from. Now, see, you can just set yourself free right there. That's why you can never make a mistake that takes God by shock. You can never do anything that throws God off course because he went to the end and he backed up your life. And he said, let me see every place that Sean can get off. I got to have a place to reconnect her. I got to have a place to get her back in line. He said, so I'm going to go to every place and I'm going to find a way to connect her back to redemption. Because it's my desire that all men would be saved and none would perish. So now... We're talking about chapter 11. It's our Hebrews of faith. All right. Verse 4. says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained the witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and, and by it he being dead, yet speaking. By faith. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now it goes on in verse 7, and what's the first part of verse 7? What does it say? It says, by faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And there's somebody else who became the righteousness of God by faith. By faith, he said, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should not receive, which he should have to receive or an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs with him of the same promise. Now, hold on. Wait a minute. It says that he is traveling in tabernacles in this place, but on the inside of him, he has Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. Isaac and Jacob weren't in the tent with him. They were inside of him when God made the promise to him. Guess who else was in him when he made the promise? All right, come on, let's keep going, keep going. It says, for he looked for a city which which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful. That promise, you ought to underline that. In order to have faith, you got to judge him faithful. That promise, whatever he promised, you got to believe that he's faithful to do it. It says, therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and the sand which is in the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith. Say, these all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persecuted for them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You missed something. It says, they all died. How? Having not received the promise. But having seen the promise afar off. So then, I would submit to you that the promise couldn't be riches because Abraham was rich. And he saw that. And the promise couldn't be having Isaac because he saw Isaac. The promise couldn't be sustaining the flood because he saw that. So what in the world had been preached to them that allowed all of these people to be willing to die in faith? That Jesus would come, die on the cross, and bring them back to a place of redemption. Let's keep going. It says, verse 14, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out of, they might have had an opportunity to return. And now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, that he had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence he also received him in a figure wait a minute now first God accounts Abraham and then Abraham accounts God it says that he accounted that God was able to raise him up so he had to get it and give it to God in credit that God was able to raise him up even though he hadn't seen him raised up he said and because he believed that God could raise him up then God raised him up 
Hallelujah. It says, uh, uh, verse 20, it says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph in worship, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he had come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible who is he seeing that's invisible that's allowing him to throw down a kingdom that he can see he had to see something greater than the kingdom that he could naturally see that would allow him to forsake the pleasure of Egypt and suffer the wrath with the children of Israel he says, through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab per- perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David. David and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrote righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, um, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the alien. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, gave moreover bonds and imprisonment. They were sown, they were stoned, they were sown asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in the sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves, and all of these having obtained a good report through faith, what's the rest of it say? Receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So we not spent our whole church life saying we wish we was Abraham and we wish we was Noah and we wish we could have walked across on the Red Sea. But what allowed them to do this? Noah, they all believed that they would see the promise in their lifetime. But they all died not having received the promise. So Noah didn't build an ark because he was afraid of the flood. Noah built an ark because he wanted to stay in the earth long enough to see his redemption. But all of them died not having received the promise. Because God having provided some better thing for who? Would not allow them that they should be perfect without us. Let's keep reading. Let's read Genesis. I mean, let's read Hebrews 12. 
It says, wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Let's make this all make sense. He says, all right, from the foundation of the earth, God frames the earth. He knows everything that can happen because he knows what he put on the inside of us. He knows he didn't make us robots. He knows that he gave us free will, that we're created in his image, and that we can do whatever it is that we really want to do. And because he doesn't want people to be slaves to him, he wants people to be sons, he doesn't put this automatic mechanism in you that stops you and shocks you every time you decide to do something that isn't what he wants you to do. So he has to put a security measure in because he knows at some point that somebody is going to think that they can do it without him. So he has the lame slain before the foundation of the earth. So whenever the lamb, lamb, lamb is needed, the lamb has already been slain. Adam and Eve come into the garden. They get everything that they need in order to live. But then that's not good enough for them because they begin to listen to somebody other than God. And so they cause the curse to be brought on them. Say the curse. Now, even though the curse has been brought on them, you have to understand that. Remember, I told you that God laid out the ages. He laid out the world. So even though the curse had been released at that point, God could not send Jesus at that point because it wasn't in the script that way. So instead he has to find men that will live by faith so he can impute righteousness unto them so they can live as though they're saved before they're ever saved. So then he finds Abraham and Abraham, he says, look, I'm going to make you the father of the rest of this. He says, I'm going to bring Jesus out of your lineage. He said, and as long as the kingdom of God exists, there is always going to be a seed that's attached to you. He makes the same promise to Isaac, to David, all the way down and all everybody else. And then here comes birth on the scene, Jesus. Now, before Jesus, it is called B.C. And after Jesus, it is called A.D. It means before Christ is what people say. And then after he died. So we live in a different dispensation. Amen. Everybody following me so far. Now, here it is. Abraham has to make a choice whether he's going to believe God. Moses has to make a choice of whether he's going to believe God for something that he cannot see yet. All of these people died believing to receive something that they had not received yet. Fast forward 2,000 years. God comes to a little girl. He says to her, he says, you've been chosen to be the mother of our Lord. She says to him, why? This wasn't foreign to them. It was foreign to her that it might be her, but the message of redemption was not foreign because she didn't tell him how crazy she thought it was. She said, be it unto me according to your word. Oh, God, this is so good. So then Abraham, so no, we Jesus, Jesus is here. But all the time, Abraham was looking at Jesus And David was looking at Jesus. And now when you read some of the Psalms, they'll make sense when he says, I said to my Lord, my Lord, sit down at your right hand. Because he was not thinking of himself, but he was looking forward to when Jesus would come and redeem him. But all of these great men men and women of God, our heroes of faith, as we call them, they all died having not received the promise. Then Jesus shows up. He wraps himself in flesh. Why does he have to wrap himself in flesh? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And all flesh is deadly. That's why God couldn't just show up in the earth. He wouldn't have been subject to death. Why did he have to be subject to death? Because in order to be subject to death, only through sin could he be subject to death. And only through death could he die. Jesus is born. He lives. We read about him at 12. We don't read about him anymore until he's 30. When he goes 
<laughs> when he goes about in age, when he gets to age 30, he begins to minister the gospel. And he begins to say to people, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, repent and change your thinking. This kingdom of God that you've been hearing about is here. But they couldn't receive it because they were always looking for something natural. But there were some people that began to believe that what he was saying. And he began to do signs, wonders, and miracles because Jesus walked in the earth to show a man what he could do with divinity on top of humanity. That's why the Bible says in 1 John, as Jesus is in the world, so are we. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. Everybody know this story? He died. You grew up in my church? He died all night, Friday night. But he dies. Tell your neighbor, say, he died. Tell your neighbor, say, but he had to die. He dies, and when he dies, he goes into hell. Because at this point, everybody who dies goes to hell, even Abraham them. They're in a place called Abraham's bosom that you read about when he talks about how Lazarus was the poor man, went into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man, where they were separated from a gulf, they're all in hell. One of them is just in hell where they're tormented, but those who die believing the promise, they're not tormented, but they're still in hell. Jesus dies in hell. Tell your name and say, in hell. He is in hell because his flesh demands that every man that is born into sin go into hell because there is not yet redemption. He lays in hell for three days. And on the third day, the Lord God says, Yahweh says, okay, that's enough. And in front of all of hell and devils, Jesus is reborn, the first son of many brethren. Do do you even know what you believe when you say that Jesus went to the cross? Because, see, you ought to be kicking over the pews now because here it is that Jesus is redeemed. He's born again in hell, in the midst of hell. He is regenerated. He is made new. And then he gets up. But when he gets up, he doesn't come directly back to earth. Ephesians 4 says he led captivity captive. He goes into Abraham's bosom, knocks on the door, and says, I'm here. Everything you've been waiting for, the redemption you died believing for, is here. Now understand, because you got to understand, we're talking about the fathers of faith. Abraham said, I told y'all he was coming. David said, that's why I said, let everything that had breath praise the Lord. My soul will make a boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and they will be glad. See, understand that what happened with Paul and Silas was just a representation in the earth of what already had transpired in hell. That even when you're in hell, if you don't remember the promise that God made, the enemy cannot hold you in bondage. He gives them. They, they, they come out in a processional. That's why the Bible says that if they had known that he was the Lord, they would not have crucified him. But he had to come in covertly and put on flesh and position himself so that they would crucify him. Because in his crucifixion, the promise to them became a reality. It became fulfilled and it became accessible for you and I. He takes them and leads them out with a processional. They stop by earth. They pick up their bodies. But then they head on up to heaven and where they are seated in heavenly places. And the Bible says that this is the great cloud of witnesses. 
that is saying to you now, will you run and finish the race? Because we can't be made perfected unless you finish the race. He says, so every time you get tired, stop and look at Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith. He said, let us run this race with patience. Now, I got to admit that I heard this and I told my friend, I heard him preaching. And then when I said the first time I preached, I was going to give him credit. So this part of the message came from Pastor Isaac Petrie. But if anybody ever seen the four by 100 race, the last leg is called what? The anchor leg. I wish I had somebody who knew something about tracking here. The last leg is called the anchor leg. So when God was forming you, he knew you had what was in you to be the anchor leg. See, everybody don't get to run the anchor. You, you, You don't know nothing about sports, so you don't understand what I'm saying. But you understand everybody don't get to run the anchor. Now check this out. Abraham and David, they're the first and the second leg. Jesus is the third leg. He goes into hell. He gets your redemption back. He comes back with all power. And he says, Dick, run the race. Then he says, now seeing that you have such a great cloud of witnesses, why don't you get rid of that sin that keeps you from running the race? The reason you can't receive stick, yeah, yeah, tell your neighbor stick. The reason you can't receive is because you live in the wrong dispensation. You living in the wrong dispensation. What do I mean by that? You can't pray what David prayed when he sinned. Because David was just accounted for righteous. But you've been made the righteousness of God. Romans 8, 29. My God, today. I'm going to say this, and just, just wrap it in. The difference between us is them is that they were believed. Their faith was for the promise. Our faith is in the promise. They were believing for the promise to manifest. We believe in the promise. That's why he says, you don't have to ask me for that that's already been given to you. He said they had to ask for wealth and riches because it had just been accounted to them. He said they had to ask for healing because it had just been accounted to them. He says, but you, you've been made in the image of righteousness. So whatever I got, you got Now, let me tell you why you ain't got to pray like David prayed. I want you to go to Romans 8. Let's look at verse 26. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmity. Say, that's when I'm weak. 
For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he searcheth the heart, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together. I'm talking about them eons now. They work together for the good of them that are called, that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? That you would not be destroyed, but that you would be redeemed. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Who he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say of these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? He that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Ask your neighbor, say, do you know who you are? Somebody shout, stick. Now, see, I didn't run track, but I was a track manager. And I understood that that time in a stick was crucial. I also know that in order to adequately take the stick, the person who wants to receive the stick got to be running at the same speed of the person that's giving the stick. I told you a couple weeks ago, if you want to live higher, you got to eat higher. If you want to live at another place, you got to eat at another place. My God. Ephesians 1 and 11. Shout, I love the word. Hmm, let's back up. We go, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Y'all mind if I read a little bit? Amen. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. Tell your neighbor, say, that's past tense. No, 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 no. I, I want you to push your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's past tense. Say, you're already blessed. Well, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm trying to understand. If you already blessed, why are you always asking for a blessing? Oh, don't nobody want to say nothing. Now, 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 I'm like Pastor Elwin. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. If you really believe that you are already blessed, why are you always asking for a blessing? He says, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. I told you that none of this take God by surprise. He says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to him, according to the good will of the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Somebody shout, I'm accepted. In whom we have redemption. We keep seeing every word, redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both are which in the heavens. That's them people that's looking at you right now trying to see if you're going to finish this race or not. It says, them that are in the heaven and those are in the earth, even in him, in whom we have also obtained what? An inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, skip all the way down to verse 18. He says, now this is what I pray for you, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of his glory of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only only in this world, but also in the world to come, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to be the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Say, that's me. I just tell you, that's why I have a hard time understanding people who don't get excited when they hear the word. Now, you're born into sin, but God comes up with this fabulous plan. That after you are born once, you can be reborn. And at the moment that you are reborn, it doesn't matter whether you got saved today or you've been saved 50 years. Everything that belonged to Jesus now belongs to you. Let's go to Acts. Acts um, Acts 20 and 32. Acts 20 and 32. My God. Everybody got Acts 20 and 32? Ready? Let's read. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He says, now, in the Amplified, it says, now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to his protection and care. And I commend you to the word of grace, the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and to give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of the soul. I love in the Amplified, it says, to give you your rightful inheritance. Now, your rightful inheritance, what's my rightful inheritance? Is to reign and rule as a king. Because I am a king's kid. Because I have received the adoption to God through Jesus Christ, whereby I cry unto him, Abba, Father. Meaning that the moment I got adopted, everything that I would ever need to live, has already been provided according to the kingdom of heaven. Now get this. We look at them 
and say, we wish we were them. They look at us and say, we wish you were, we were you. But I just wonder if any of them ever asked the questions. If we could open a Red Sea and we weren't redeemed yet. If we could shut the mouth of a lion and we weren't redeemed yet. If we could receive our dead raised back to life and we weren't redeemed yet. How much more? I just wonder if they ever sit down sometime and they say, can somebody please tell me why they crying? Can somebody please tell me why they think they can't make it? Can somebody please tell me why they won't do something about that sickness in their body? Can somebody tell me why they tolerate their sin? I just wonder if they ever ask, if they ever just wonder about what in the world are we doing that they were believing for something. The thing that we were, they were believing for has now manifested. We actually have it. They had to die to receive it. We got born again to receive it. They had to leave earth to receive it. We have it right here in the earth. But yet we let someone talk us out of what God says already belongs to us. Ah, Thank you, Holy Ghost. Matthew 6 and 25 says, Therefore I say, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither for your body, for what you shall put on. Is life not more than meat and the body not more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no anxious thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles, those with no covenant with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, seek after. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Verse 33, But Seek the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. Do you understand that people with an inheritance don't worry about where they're going to live? That people with an inheritance don't worry about what they're going to eat? So he's saying to you, Romans 8, if I did all this, and I gave up my son. What in the world makes you think I'm not going to take care of your needs? Why are you still asking me for healing when I told you that healing already belongs to you? He said, I have given you the ability. Oh, yeah, we're about to wrap up. Come on, let's go to Job. I've given you the ability to call it Whatever you say it is. And all of heaven is backing you. Say all of heaven is backing me. 
Say, my inheritance is redemption. With redemption comes the benefits. I need to take your level, your thinking to a whole new level, baby. The, 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 benefit, the, uh, the inheritance is not a car. The inheritance is not a house. The inheritance is not even that your name would be made great. The inheritance is that you have been redeemed, purchased, bought back from the curse, and that as a result of being adopted, now all of those benefits belong to you. They belong to you. It is your rightful inheritance. He said, and I have given you the word so that no one would be able to steal your rightful inheritance for you. I have given you the word so that you would know what has been freely given to you. All right, Job 28. We got three more scriptures, and then we go, we go release our faith today. Job 22 and 28. Now, I'm going to tell you, now, it's not just one of these words that you go, have to, that you go hear one time. Because even if your spirit is leaping right now, you're going to have to put some work into this to, re, to push out that old thinking that makes you think you're waiting on something. Job 28. Job 22, verse 28. Job 22, verse 28. I want everybody to get it. I want you to read it. I want you to read it. Now make this confession. Say, because I'm a king's kid, it is what I call it. Job 22 and 28. Everybody got it? Ready? Let's read. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you, and the light shall shine upon your ways. He, who, who makes decrees? Who makes decrees? Kings make decrees. So it says, you shall decree a thing, and whatever you decree will be established unto you, and the light shall shine upon your word, on your ways. Now, the light always refers to the word of God. He says, so when you decree something in keeping with what the Lord has already established, then the light begins to shine upon your ways to cause the thing that you decree to become the reality in your life. Go to Matthew 6. Glory to God. Shout, I love the word. That's why I'm just going to tell you, if you're watching this or you in here, you crazy not to get saved. You out your mind not to get saved if you done heard the gospel preached to you. Getting saved ain't about whether you can go to the club or not. It's about redemption, baby. It's about the fact that every curse that's owed to your life, when you accept Jesus as the, your personal Savior and Yahweh as your Father, you are set free from all of that. That means that when you understand who you are, it don't matter how many people in your family done had diabetes, you just got a blood transfusion, and it'll be whatever you decree it. It don't matter how many people in your family done been addicted to drugs. You ain't got no high propensity to be an alcoholic. Why? Because Jesus wasn't no alcoholic. You ain't no alcoholic. It means that you ain't got to get divorced. Ain't nobody gonna molest your kids. It means that you will be safe even when it looks like you're about to be destroyed. You may be cast down but you will never cast out. Man, you crazy not to give your life to the Lord. You are utterly covered in darkness. But we command that you come 
out. Ain't no sense in being in bondage when Jesus died to set you free. See, you ought to change your whole opinion when you're trying to minister to somebody. Your opinion ought to be, it don't make sense for you not to be saved. Why in the world would you not be saved? Do you not have any idea that if you're not saved, that your father is a demonic maniac who will do anything? He will kill, steal, destroy, rape from you. He will give you something to snatch it away from you. He will have you marry the wrong person so he can torment you. He will do everything to destroy your life. And God, my daddy is saying, you ain't got to stick with that daddy no more. I got another daddy for you. Come on over here and let me tell you something about my daddy. My daddy don't have no favorites. Everybody is the favorite. He's good to everybody. He healed everybody. He set everybody free. He take care of everybody needs. Man, you crazy not to be saved. Who in the world wouldn't want to be in this family? I'm sorry. Y'all supposed to go to Matthew 16, 19. Say, I decree a thing. And it's established unto me. So now this has to be a shift because now I'm a king. Shout, I'm a king. king. Say that three more times. Faith comes out here. Now he's the king, but we the kings. Right, he's the king of kings. The prince of prince, the prince of peace, the lord of lords. In order to be a lord of something, it's got to be some lords under you. In order to be a king or something, it's got to be kings of under, underneath somebody, right? And since we know that he's not talking about the natural world, we know he can't be talking about natural kings that we see that have established kingdoms here. He must be talking about his heirs. Matthew sixteen nineteen. We almost done. I promise we almost done. Woo, glory to God. Matthew 16. I'm telling you to get to where you love the word. Well, I'm telling you, you sitting up there watching, liking um, BET. BET is not going to help you know who you are. In fact, BET is going to further pervert your image. Here you are, daughter of Zion. And you think you're supposed to be walking around naked. You know, I mean, come on, come on, come on. Here you are, king, and you walking around. Time out, pimping ain't easy. Go on somewhere with that foolishness. You a king's kid. You running around talking about a diva is just. Well, I'm not understanding why King's kids hustling to begin with. But the beat's so good. Yeah, just further perverting your image. All right, Matthew 16. I promise we only got one more scripture after this. Because I have preached myself tired this morning. Can I tell y'all? I'm tired. 
All right. I know Pastor Edwin is laughing. All right. Matthew 16, 16, 15. It says, And he said unto him, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered unto him and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to, unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto, also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And unto thee I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Say, so tell your neighbor, say, that sounds like king talk right there. Tell somebody else, say, that's king talk right there. Binding and loosing is king talk. And actually what he says is this. He says, he says to them, he says, who do you guys say I am? And they say, somebody says, you're Elijah. And someone says, that we believe that you're um, Peter, um, John the Baptist, come back to life. And Peter gets a revelation on the inside of him. And he says, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Redeemer. And he looks at him and he says, he says, wait a minute. He said, hold on, hold on. You didn't just come up with that out your intellect. He said, the Holy Ghost revealed that to you. My Father, which is in heaven, shall be re- reveal that to you. He said, and upon this revelation, not Peter the Roth, he says, but upon this revelation that I am your Redeemer, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against it. He says, now what I'm going to do is this. He said, because you got the revelation, he said, this revelation is going to give you something. It's called keys. What are keys used for? To open and to lock. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven he says i'm going to give you these kings and then the translation says this it says and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven but that's actually an incorrect translation because heaven is our kingdom and it's where all our orders come from so actually what it should say is that whatever has been bound in heaven is what you ought to be binding in earth and whatever has been loosed in heaven is whatever you ought to be loose loosing in earth he says, now I've given you the ability, you should decree a thing and it should be established unto you. I had to give you authority to do it so that when you said something, the world will respond to you. He said, now I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so you know what you ought to say and what not to say. He said, but in case you ever don't know what it is that you should say, he says, you can go back to Matthew 6 and see this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whenever I'm trying to decide whether I ought to be putting up with something, all I got to do is turn and look in heaven. If it operates in heaven, it's legal in the earth. If it ain't legal in heaven, it ain't legal in the earth. If it operates, if it's illegal in heaven, then it's illegal in my life. And he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind shall be bound, and whatsoever you loose shall be loose. But in order to bind and loose, you got to know you got authority. Now, John 5 says this. You can write this down, John 5, 14 and 15. It says this, it says, and this is the confidence that I have. That if I ask anything according to his will, well, how do I know what his will is? I read my citizen manual. That's how I know what his will is. I read my citizen manual. Because my citizen manual tells me what is allowable in heaven and what is permissible in the earth. He says, and this is the confidence that I have, that if I ask anything according to his will, that he hears me. And that if he hears me, he answers me, and I have the petitions that I request. The Amplified says I receive them as a present possession. It's like this. If you work for some place and you have to order supplies, 
and you fill out a form to order supplies. When do you receive the supplies? When you put in the order. So when do I receive? If you ever got financial aid, you believe that you receive when they give you that award letter. That's why you up in the financial aid office on the 15th when the money was supposed to be there on the 14th. That's why you there because you got something that tells you that this money has been loose to you. Are you understanding? Is that a level that you can understand? That's why when you put money, have you ever been in a place where you got a credit card and you're not really sure what's on it? And you go try to swipe it, but you ain't real sure. And so you, 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 you trying to, you trying to figure out, it ain't as much confidence. But have you ever had money in your debit account? And you know that money is there. And they swipe your card. And even if they come back to you and they say your card is denied, you go, no. No, no, baby. No, my car not denied. Hold on. Matter of fact, I'm going to call the bank right now because I don't know what's going on up in here. I don't know if your machine is broke. You need to fix this raggedy machine. But I know I got money in my account. Your whole attitude change. Can I help you? Some of you still talking to the devil like your credit card is maxed out. No, 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 no. You didn't hear what I'm saying. Some of you still talking like you're not really sure whether it's an approval number for that. Some of you still talking to the devil like you're not really sure if maybe this answer healing is going to take you up over your benefits right now and you got to wait. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me back up. Some of y'all act like y'all on EBT. Everybody don't know what EBT is. It used to be called food stamps. Now it's called EBT. No, 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 no. Let me tell you why EBT is better than food stamps. You get an EBT card, and they put money on it. And you can swipe that card till all the money is gone. But if you swipe that card and your benefits come in on the first, and you run out on the 30th, you got to hold on until the first. Tell your neighbor, say, baby, the kingdom of God is not EBT. Your benefits are always readily accessible. Oh, I done got all the healing I can get from this year, so I guess I'll go on and manage it with this medicine. Oh, 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 oh. This is what I don't understand. If, if your job tell you that they're going to give you a raise, you never ask them where they go get the money from. Why do you need to know where God go get the money from? But in case you twisted about where God will get the money from, read over there in Psalms 24 where it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It don't matter where he get it from as long as it get deposited in your account. 
I done tried everything to get rid of this pain. What God go do? Do it matter? Do it matter if he tell you to run through the pool, change your diet, start exercising, get more sleep? Do it matter as long as you get it? Not in the Bible says this. No, really, 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 I'm done because y'all about to release y'all faith. Because y'all need to get out the wrong dispensation. Hallelujah. My God. Tell your neighbor, say, run the race. Now y'all know what's happening to me now. That part of me that can't stand no faith punks is rising up now. Tell them, say, run the race. give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever has been bound in heaven that's what you ought to be binding in the earth well in case you haven't been to heaven lately let me inform you that ain't nobody in heaven struggling to pay their bills everybody in heaven got money to pay their bills ain't nobody in heaven got sickness in their body not even a little bit of allergy ain't no allergies in, in, in the kingdom of God he said, so what you ought to be doing in your kingship is looking at your life because that's where you have dominion. You ought to look at your life and instead of wondering whether your kids go have sex before they get married, you ought to say, ain't nobody in sex in heaven having sex before they get married. Ain't nobody up in here having sex before they get married. Oh, I've been so desperate for a man. Ain't nobody in heaven desperate for a man. Ain't nobody in my world desperate for a man. It's so hard for me to fulfill my destiny. Ain't nobody in heaven struggling to fulfill their destiny. Ain't nobody in the kingdom struggling to fulfill their destiny. It is what I call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that seems arrogant to you because only because you don't know who you are. Because if you really love God, you're only calling it what he call it. I'm only calling it what he call it. I'm not arrogant. I'm only calling it what he call it. I only know I can say it because he told me first. I'm just saying what he said. It paints the picture of this. Everybody knows Canaan. She's our two-year-old. When Canaan goes to get Taylor, she doesn't go to get Taylor in the name of Canaan because Canaan don't have to re- Taylor don't have to respond to the name of Canaan. So whenever Ta- Canaan needs Taylor to move, she says this. She says, my daddy said. Now, even though you don't understand what I'm saying, even though Taylor is bigger than Canaan and could manipulate Canaan and could do whatever she wanted to to Canaan because Canaan came in the right name, then Taylor has to respond. You've been trying to get debt free in the name of your budget, in the name of a promotion, in the name of a raise. You've been trying to get debt free in the wrong name. You've been trying to get healed in the name of medicine. You've been trying to get healed in the name of your doctor. You've been using the wrong name. You've been trying to get your family saved in your intellect. You've 
ain't using the wrong name. Come on, stand to your feet. I told you I'm done now. Because Matthew eleven twenty two says this. Now, I, love, I like the Sean Strickland translation better. Sean Strickland translation goes like this. Whosoever shall say unto my life, be transformed into the will of God for my life, and shall not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatsoever it is that he says. He shall have whatsoever it is he says. What does that mean? That means I find out the will of God for my life, and then I pray the will of God. I release my petition to the Lord. Here's how it works. All right? Let me get some help. Brother John, would you come be God for me? Can can y'all get him a... He need a chair because God is sitting down. He ain't trying to figure out your situation. No, 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 no. No, no. He God. He can't move his own chair. Now stop that. Put... Put his chair up here on the stage so they can see. All right. Um, I need Jesus. Who can be Jesus for me? <laughs> Bees, you want to be Jesus. Bees, you, you, need, you need a chair. You need a chair. Bees, you need a chair. Can somebody get her a chair? All right, I'm trying to show you how this thing really works. We're on the right hand, on the right hand, on the right hand, on the right hand. Well, it depends on how you're facing. No, no, it should be on this side for how they're facing, on their right. Bear was right. All right. All right, I'm going to give y'all an illustration if y'all, 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 cause y'all like illustrations because you remember illustrations. All right. God started the race. And he ran everybody laps. And then he came back and sat down. He ran everybody laps so he know your lap is runnable. He ran everybody laps. All right. Jesus runs his lap. And he does what? And he goes and does what? He sits where? All right. So tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, just so you know, they are not getting up and coming in your situation. I mean, I just need everybody to know. Because I I need y'all to stop praying. Jesus, come. Jesus ain't coming. He gave you a word. All right. And so he sent. He says, all right, now. He puts, every time somebody finishes their assignment, they go and they begin to sit in the Colosseum. Abraham, can you go? David. They're sitting in, they're sitting in the Colosseum. Elijah, Elisha, even Rahab. Can I get a Rahab? Tell me, can you get Rahab? Hey, don't hate on being Rahab. Don't hate on being Rahab. Now, Rahab may have been a prostitute, but she had sense enough to come to Jesus and get her life changed. 
It don't matter how you start, baby. It matter how you finish. And she finished up well. Finish. Tell them, finish strong. You better finish strong. Now, you got God, Jesus, and this cloud of witnesses that's watching to see what you go do. Every decision you make, that's why the Bible said choose life. They watching to see what you go do. Because they already know what's on the inside of you. They already know you can overcome. They already know that you can make it out. They already know that you have more than enough. And what they understand is that they're kings, and he's the king of the kings. But they also see that you're kings. So when you are facing an encounter in your life, and you got a choice of whether you go run with the word, or whether you go face life circumstances, they're cheering you on. They're cheering you on. Come on, say it. I know you want to run. Come on. This concludes our message. Thank you for supporting Fellowship of Champions Church International. To order other products or for partnership information and other resources, visit us at championsforlife.org or write to us at 1105 Deer Street, Conway, Arkansas, 72032. Thank you for listening and continue with us as we build Champions for Life.